2: We've talked ad nauseum about his work with Cam Newton, his work with Josh Allen. So the question that is posed today is the playbook that he designs for Deshaun Watson, would it be tailored more towards Cam Newton or Josh Allen? Tyvis,
1: you want to start us off? You weren't here
2: yesterday. Uh,
3: well, the thing is Deshaun isn't Josh Allen nor Cam Newton as far as size-wise and running ability. like Don't get me wrong, Deshaun runs the ball and he's great at that, but at the end of the day, he wants to be a passer. He runs because he wants to keep the chains moving. Those guys did it because they feel like they got to put everything on them and they just wanted to make those plays. I think that it's... If you're asking Josh Allen or Cam Newton, (laughs) ah, man, I would probably go more... Cam Newton in this in this aspect, but the reason I think that the Browns signed Ken Dorsey, anyways, is because of his relationship with Cam Newton and how he helped develop Cam Newton to be this MVP and take him to the Super Bowl. And Cam Newton is a guy that obviously, if you watch. One of Deshaun Watson's episodes, he has a ton of respect for. He looks at him as a big brother. And I think that's the reason why the Browns ultimately went with him is because Ken Dorsey helped develop him. So I think that it would, he would like to be looked at more as a Cam Newton. Um, I, I still, to me, it comes down to the playmakers around them. I think that they, they still got to get some wide receivers for that whole thing to work. But to answer your question, Cam Newton.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree with, like, he's not built like those guys. He's not as big as those guys, and the injury was real with Deshaun. And, you know, going into last year, the Browns wanted to try and minimize some of the exposure on Deshaun and some of the hits that he was taking. And sure enough, he gets hit, he gets hit, and he gets hurt this year. So I would tend – they're similar in what they can do because they're mobile quarterbacks. There's that dual threat component to both of them. I think it's really more the shotgun component with Ken and, and operating out of the shotgun that, that they liked as well. If, if you're going to make me choose between the two, I'm going to go Cam because Josh seems to just put his head down and put his shoulder down and run it more than I think the Browns would come to work, and I know Cam did too. Mm-hmm. But it feels like it's a bigger part of the Bills offense, and maybe I'm misremembering. If I am, tell me.
1: Well, I have the numbers, actually. Yeah. So this was shocking. Not shocking, but I was surprised. In five seasons with Ken Dorsey, Cam Newton, guess how many rushes per season he averaged? So five-year average. He went, oh, I'll give you a hint. He went over 100 in for the five years. 155. 155? 130. 130. He worked four seasons with Allen. Over 100 rushes in all four. What do you think the number was? The average. 155. I would say 160. 115 per season with Newton. 114.7. Wow, so similar. Now, granted, that that counts counts (laughs) scrambles (laughs) as well, so it's not all design rushes. But in nine seasons, with Ken Dorsey working with those quarterbacks, and I don't include 2023 because it's only half a season. He was trending for over 100, but I I just took it out because it wasn't a full season. Doesn't it feel
0: like – I mean, the numbers are what the numbers are. It feels like there's more called runs with Josh than there was
1: with Cam. I feel like Cam, in short yardage, I feel like every play was Cam's Superman package. if
3: I remember, didn't Cam have – R- good running backs, right? Well, they Jonathan, ran- Stewart yeah. and Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo, D'Angelo Williams. Yeah. So I feel like they wanted to run a with w- until this year. It, Josh Allen was the running game. Was, yeah. So that's why it's like, to me, it's kind of
1: unfair. I think it's a fair question. And obviously we're just trying to speculate here because we won't know until they open up training camp. We won't know really till week one. I hope the answer is neither. I hope it's like the Deshaun Watson playbook. And whatever that is tailored to whatever DW4 wants. It will be that. It better be that. No,
3: it, it, it will, it's yeah. not like, you bring Ken Dorsey in, yes, he's really good at show, but then it's not like they're not about to do Kevin Stefanski stuff as well. well
1: like, it's both. What I was getting to was we'll on, the, on the Ultimate Brown show yesterday. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> on the Ultimate Brown show yesterday, G had Leroy on. And they were talking about Ken Dorsey's presser and designing a a playbook and all that. And Leroy, who will know more football than I could ever imagine. He'll forget more football than I could ever, ever possibly learn. Ty, you're in the same boat. He said the play calls, like like the actual play call itself is so overrated from the outside looking in. It's all about the play sheet. It's not the play call, it's the play sheet. It's what did you do throughout the week to design a game plan to attack this defense. The actual call itself is not nearly as important as the preparation that goes into the week. fact. And whether a it's fact. Stefanski calling plays or Dorsey calling plays or Tommy Reese, who it's not going to be, but I'm just saying, whoever it is calling plays, it's the combination of all those offensive minds starting on Monday, all the way leading up to kickoff, putting together that Denny's menu looking thing.
3: Well, I told you how it works. They literally, they study the tendencies. They watch the game. And every situation is on that sheet of paper. If it's first and sec, first and second down, if it's first and ten, these is the call. Second and seven, these is the call. Third and fifth, five, third and ten, third, whatever. It's all there. You have a list of plays that, you're, that will work for that. The next step to it is I have to think to myself, all right, I got the call. I got the plays that I'm going to call for that situation. Now I need to know what defense is they're, they're going to run. That's the question. Because whatever defense they're going to run, I have it on the sheet what can beat what they're going to call. Now I need to make the right call. So that's where it gets difficult. Because if they come up, if I think, okay, they're going to run cover three and then they run cover two, but I call it the play for cover three, then I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, and,
1: and that's where I get back to what, what playbook will it more resemble. Uh, I go back, and maybe my memory is not great, but I remember the Cam Newton like MVP playbook. Mm-hmm. If you went to that, that offense, that 15-1 Panthers team, they were shotgun all the time. Newton never went under center, which mm-hmm. is fine. But they had, you know, three backs in the backfield with them, two backs, they ran triple option, like, a lot of stuff. And, and once again, I'm going from my memory, it's not 100% accurate, but it was a lot of, like, power running from the shotgun. Mm-hmm. I'll go to Buffalo, and they never had a running back. Josh was their power running option. Right. And it was a lot more downfield action, at least to what, what I'm remembering. I didn't go back and study it. I'm just going off what I remember. I think downfield action suits Deshaun Watson a lot more than some sort of variation of the option or running him wild like Cam Newton kind of did. But it all comes down to whatever those offensive minds in the room decide is the best way to utilize Deshaun Watson's talent. And whether, whether it's Dorsey calling plays, Defansky calling plays, whatever the playbook looks like, it's what can we do to put DW4 in the best position to succeed?
3: I think I, – I just think that Deshaun is a little bit he, – he he has no choice but to be more smarter when he runs. Like, he's he's going to run the ball, but it's literally just to get – he wants to stay ahead of the chains. Yeah, He's one of those guys, unlike Josh Allen and Cam Newton, that's like, I'm going to make the play happen. Like, I'm going to run this and I'm going to get us 10 yards or whatever it is. Deshaun is like, I might not get those 10 – but calling third and two is way better than third and ten. Like that's he's smart enough to think that. So that's where he's gonna work. But he definitely is more of a down the field guy, you know. And hopefully Nick Chubb's back and they can do the power and they don't, he don't have to worry about running the ball anyways. But he definitely wants to throw the ball deeper down the field. He just got to make the right reads
0: and and trust that his shoulder is right. Being at Ken's press conference yesterday was like watching C-SPAN. But one of the interesting things that he said was choosing the right spot. It was oh, nothing. was He'll fit in perfectly. He said nothing. But one of the, the one thing that I thought was interesting was kind of what you were saying. If it's first and 10, man, why are you lowering your shoulder and taking a hit? Like, throw it away. Like, don't take the hit on first and 10. If it's third and two or third and three, we'll do what we have to do to, mm-hmm. to keep the chains moving. But just being a little bit more strategic with – where you're at on the field, what's the down and distance, where are we with the chains in terms of when are you taking hits, and when can you just throw it away, get rid of it, and live to see another day.
1: And we talked about the carries a second ago. I mentioned four to five years with Carolina, came at 100 plus carries. All four full seasons with Buffalo, Josh had 100 plus carries. Deshaun's come close, but he's never had 100 carries in a season. So asking him to do we average after one hundred. Look how
0: many injuries he's already had.
3: Now That's he came. He, he had ninety-nine
1: one year, so I mean, just shy. Of yeah. it, but for it the majority, is. he averages eighty-three and a half. If you tell me, season.
3: if you telling me Deshaun coming back from this short injury, he to put on thirty pounds. Okay, we might be able to talk about something. But if you talk about that. That dude that y'all just showed on that picture, he ain't, he better get down to the uh, down.
1: He put field. on thirty pounds. He's on my diet. He ain't got
3: the <laughs> get, he
1: ain't got the frame to carry. He no better get pounds. down <laughs> to the uh, downfield passing game too. I was looking at both playbooks and, and once again, I'm just going off numbers. I don't remember watching every play. In his four seasons with Newton, he averaged six point nine. Newton in his five seasons with Dorsey, excuse me, averaged six point nine. Uh, air yards per target. Who did this? Cam Newton in 6. his five seasons. Five seasons with Ken Dorsey working with him. Okay. Six point nine air yards per target. Okay. Four years with Allen, it was seven point four air yards per target. In his career, Watson's at eight point three, and that's because one year was significantly down when he threw for all those yards in twenty nineteen. Yeah. It was up to eight point nine, almost nine yards a target. So, what? if we're picking the to answer to the question, Newton or Watson, uh, Newton or Allen, which playbook? I would tend to lean towards Josh Allen's playbook.
3: Well the difference between who do you I'll, who do you remember as as uh, Cam Newt's receivers? Who was his he, big time receiver? Masakwa wasn't. it?
1: That's
0: great. I can see, and that's my point, right? Oh Did no, I? it was uh, Smith. Was Steve Smith? Steve Smith? Was, was Kelvin, Steve Kel- Smith there with I think Kelvin so. Benjamin. I think, so. I think so. I think Steve was with him. I thought he went to. He the, the guy? He that didn't go to the people. Ravens. Who was the guy who was killing people and hiding in the trunk? That was before him, right? Ray Carruth? Yeah, that was yeah, before. that's way before
3: he. What's wrong with made, you? Made sure. my, my, man, I'm looking
1: up. I'm looking up well, his I, you know what?
3: Steve Smith might have been with him early in the early part He's, of his career. These are Steve. his
1: receivers the year he uh, won the MVP. Oh, he wasn't. Steve Smith was in Baltimore. The year he Philly won Brown MVP. was there. Philly B. Uh, Go Bucks! Uh, yes, he was. Philly Greg B. Olson was his leading receiver. 1100 yards, seven touchdowns. Ted Ginn Jr., shout out Glenville, shout out hey, Cleveland. We in there forty four catches, eight hundred yards, ten touchdowns, Jericho Kochery, Devin Funches, and Jericho Philly Cotteri. Brown. See, so I'm a sure. bunch of no but That's a bunch what, of no, well,
3: first of all, you go you gonna put some respect on Ted and Philly. <laughs> well, That's what you, 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 you go Joe. I mean, Steve is no. already uh, gone.
1: Uh, yeah, he went to Baltimore. In twenty thirteen Cam's <laughs> rookie year when he threw for the most yards of his career, he K- did have Steve th- Smith. That year he had Olsen, Steve Smith, Brandon LaFell, Ted Ginn Jr. were his top five. Brandon receivers, LaFell. Know. I forgot all about that guy. And by the end of his career, just for the sake of comparison, he went beginning, we did middle, his MVP season, 2017 when he left, uh, Fungus, McCaffrey, Kelvin Benjamin, and Russell Shepard. So, a who's who of <laughs> top-tier like receiving I like
0: Jericho Cotter. He was NC State it, it,
1: I
3: remember He actually
0: was pretty good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't pretty he good with, the with the Jets with Brett Favre? Yeah. Anyways, but I think that when you look at <coughs> see what Cam Newton was able to do with those receivers, that's fair. That's, that's what make it like that's impressive, totally and that's what I think about the Browns receiving core outside of Amari Cooper. You got a Greg Olson and David Njoku, and you got Amari Cooper, who's better than anybody that Cam Newton had outside of Steve Smith. So careful, I tem- you got Ted Ginn on that list. Well, you ain't got no speed, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Cam had a ton of speed. Philly that's, was that's fast. Fair. That's fair. Ted was fast. He had all this speed, and Deshaun just don't have that right now. So I think about I, – I would like the playbook to look more like Cam's, but they got to get some players that fit that as well.
1: Yeah. I have no definitive feeling which one it fits more, as long as it's maximizing Deshaun's talent. And I go back to what, what Leroy said and what I was trying to say earlier. The The play calls matter, but I think we make – too big of a deal of what a coach ran or what a team ran on a certain given play as opposed to the overall philosophy of how to attack the other team.
0: I agree with that. The only thing I would add to that is play calling seems to be awfully important to the head coaches and offensive coordinators yeah. who pitch, choose jobs solely on whether or not they're going to be able to call plays or not.
1: That is also a very valid counterpoint. A very But valid I do agree
0: with the larger – with the. that's why I kind of roll my eyes when people get hung up on, well, he threw the ball. I can't – like the Seattle game where – they Your boy Philip bounces it off a helmet. Yeah, that's and just and like stuff I can't happen. believe they threw it there. Or even I'd even go so far as to say Pete Carroll throwing it. Like if you go back, don't and don't do at, that. But if you go back listen and listen to the, me, don't you talk about that? But no, I'm there's saying there's people that are still upset to this day about that. But go back and like the Patriots made an unbelievable call. And an unbelievable play, in an unbelievable moment. That play works nine times out of ten. You know it, it, you know it works time. ten times out of ten? <laughs> Giving it to Mark <laughs> But that, that call would have worked nine times out of ten, and that was the one time it didn't work. Well, you should have went with the ten out of ten. Is it really ten out
1: of ten? Yes! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes! I won't argue with you on that one. You know that one better better than me.
1: Tyson, it the same way defensively? Like, this is contrary, but... The calls? yeah. Is, it's the same it, way. Is the overall premise or is the individual call more important at that point from, like the, from the defensive side of the ball? Because uh, we never really look at – we're it, talking about offensive play. How could you do that? But see, know, it go, it, there's, the, there's play calls coming in on both sides
3: of the play ball. Play calls to me – defense. to be honest with you, you could, really, you could run your bread and But If you're a good defense, you can run your bread and butter the whole game and be fine. I've been in games where we just ran straight cover one the entire game. Like if you're good, it can work. But it gets boring as players, and you become predictable. And then if you got a good offensive of mind, they'll figure out, okay, he's in cover one. He's going to be in cover one the whole game, we're just going to run one beaters. And now how are you defending it? If you ain't got your players that's good enough to – for example, if you ain't man-to-man, you're going to get bunches and stacks. Mm-hmm. And if you don't – if y'all ain't talked about working bunches and stacks or how y'all going to work it – and you got to be able to have an alternate out of it. You can't just say, all right, for this game, for example, we're going to run a bunch. We're going to lock the point man up, the, the one and the three, the, the corner and the inside safety. We're going to in and out, one and three. So if it's three guys, he's going to lock the bunch. He go out, I'm going to take him. He go out, he's going to take him. Like, we can going to do that. What's going to happen is the offensive coordinator, the boss, going to say, oh, that's how they're playing it. All right, we're going to run double follow and see how they play double follow. We're going to hit that. So you got to be able to say, all right, on this play, we're going to lock it on this one. Or the next play, we're going to in and out on this one. you got to have so many different ways. But that literally depends on your players. So And that comes with the week of preparation. So that's, to me, where the play call don't necessarily matter. It's more about the players in that standpoint.
0: How long, this may be off, t- I don't know. How long do you need to go through a game before you pick up tendencies of what the other team's doing? Oh, pfft probably about like a quarter. If you
3: get to halftime, if you can hold off to halftime and they make those adjustments, the game plan
0: is out. Okay, I'm glad you said adjustments. This drives me, I think one of the biggest, silliest, nauseating things is when people say halftime adjustments. He didn't make no halftime adjustments. It's a big thing. Tell me what a proper halftime adjustment <laughs> is? So a proper half, i give you a good
3: one.
1: Good
0: question. So
3: when I was in San Francisco, this was in 20, what was my last year? 2018, we played the Chargers. And the Chargers ran this, the coldest cover three beater. I've never seen it before. So in cover three, I, I wish I had a whiteboard. In cover three. Oh, oh you toss them a whiteboard? In cover three, they have this... Uh, you know, you got the you got hooker, you got two hookers, two buzzers. Two hookers. Yeah, I know high price hookers. <laughs> two hookers, two buzzers, all right? And they was running this play where they would it was a bunch to the outside and they would run an over route and then they have another receiver run behind it. Like it was like delayed. So in this particular coverage, the over the outside linebacker has to take the over. He has to be gone, because they was sending, like Travis Benjamin. Gone. And they have somebody behind them. Nobody was there in that hole to fill this, this spot. And they was hitting us on it. They hit us like two times on it. Let me see. Mr. Powell, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody, this is, this is Steve who calls us all, who uh, sister and, and verbally abuses me every time I come in here. You deserve it. <laughs> Bye, Steve. I'm glad you had your, your, your 15 Thanks, seconds of fame. All right, let me draw this out. So,
0: right halftime here. adjustments are a real thing. Yeah, yeah. you almost made me cuss. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it it feels like it's a crutch that people, if they don't like the coach, they're just going to fall back on. Well, he didn't make any halftime adjustments, and those people couldn't describe a halftime adjustment if it slapped him in the face. You no, know man, what I'm saying? Hold on, I'm about to show you in just a second. You're well, gonna...
3: I'm trying to stall while I you're do, writing. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: that, that makes sense. And there's certain insight that we'll obviously never get. And how they were communicating and changing but I do think there are some times, especially in basketball where you can see a team guard a pick and roll or guard a certain set one way second half completely change it and like at least to me like that's a visible halftime adjustment I can see yes. I, I'm not as you know, I also open wonder to why it, it takes football. until
0: halftime if you're getting your ass beat why you to wait to halftime <laughs> to change it it's a fair question it's
3: well fair question. because the, the I would tell you
0: why because
3: some people can't handle in the game adjustments it, it, Believe it or not, there's not a lot of smart guys that play, you know. <laughs> I know it's wild to think that. There's, a lot of, there's some guys that can't handle in-game adjustments.
0: One of the funniest <laughs> things, I'm going to do a story on this one of these days. I think I've joked with you about it. We're sitting in the press box, and it's halftime, and all these assistant coaches go sprinting down the hall, run in the elevator, and go down. You take three bites of a hot dog and take a sip of Coke, and here they come running back the way. I'm it's like, you. now what did you just accomplish? All right, here. And the four and a half minutes that you had in the locker. So let me
3: show you. So on this play right here, this is what they was doing. The chart, This was the coldest play ever. So, if it's three by one, all right, you got your hook, you got your two hookers, you got your buzz players, and you got your corners and whatever. So this guy was running this over route, right, which takes this wheel out of the play. If he goes, he got to take that. They was sending this dude on a delay right behind it, and we had nobody here because this guy wasn't taking it. This guy was all the way over here because this running back would flare out like this, and he was going up the field. So they kept hitting this hole, and they was getting like 20 yards. I was like, what is they running? So we had to get to halftime, and they had to tell them, like, hey, you need to kick it over. You need to be responsible. He going to run this delay. You need to see it and be, over, be responsible for that. Because it was killing us, and if we didn't get to halftime, we would have never seen it. So, there you go. That's a perfect example. Is that something
1: the coach needs? Uh, I know we got to move on in a sec, but that's something the coach needs, like two minutes to sit in the room by himself. He probably watch the tape.
3: He had
0: to look at it. You got to look at that surface and be like, "What is going on?" Well, that's the thing that's also changed the game. Is I've noticed that as soon as the Browns come off the field, as soon as the drive's over. Somebody's handed a surface to Kevin. You have to see it, and and Kevin is not even like he's got his back turned to the field, and he's going through everything they just ran, so he can see the schemes and the coverages. I assume the same things happened in defensively. Yeah, and and so then but because so again, you 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 call a player and
3: you're like, why and how did this not? Work? Yes. I've studied this all week and it's worked all week. I know one thousand percent this player is going to work. What is it that didn't? What did they do? And you got to look at it and be like. That's what they did. All right, so this is how we got to adjust. Same thing with like Amari Cooper drawing routes up in the dirt. He, all week he said, we, I'm going to get double teamed. I don't know how they're going to double team me. They might in and out me. They might high-low me. I don't know. He gets to the game. He sees, okay, this is what they're doing. Let's run this, and this should work.
1: And Deshaun throws in a perfect deep ball. Next thing you know, it's a 52-yard completion down to the Cardinals' one. Brown's so why aren't more play. teams running that play? Because you put it on – so this is the thing.
3: When you put it on film – the teams can. are going to run the play until you stop it. Yeah, we stopped it the next game. We figured it out and we we stopped it. So once you stop it, they be like, "All right, it's over with." They figured it out and they throw it <laughs> On out. to the next. Yeah. So
1: like offensive, co- last thing I know, we got but offensive concepts. One week in, stop, don't use them again, or do you just pull them back. Out uh, of it back depends.
3: Box? It depends. What it's a copycat league, so mm-hmm. what they literally do is they find out what beat you. What did you struggle with the week before? And they're gonna say, "All right, we're gonna install that in." Because to see if you fixed it. If you fixed it, then we'll take it out. But if you didn't, we're going to hit you
0: with it all game. So that's pretty much how it works. I have to ask one more on yeah. this because I was, I was surprised. They kept going on tight shots on Kyle during the NFC title game when his play call – like, you could see the whole play sheet. Mm-hmm. Is that a problem? Seeing the seeing the play, the play sheet? call the play call that no, the, the I camera was that you, don't know, you, could see you like, don't know what that means you could see like three well I don't but I don't know if other teams I don't do. I, because I, there's like three step drop and there's there was a section for three step drops. no there was a section for no because like, you because you don't earlier. know you don't know where, which one he's reading
3: off of and just
0: because the play call is on there you don't know what that play yeah you don't you is. don't know what
3: play he's calling you can see the whole sheet but as long I as don't you don't see team. what what play he's calling you don't know
0: now if he got it broken down like.
3: Third and two and third and eight—you can see that section of it. Okay, now you might. Well, got you a problem. could. That's oh, well, I'm then saying. you might got a it's, problem.
1: There was a Sean Payton one earlier this year that it was crystal clear. A Sunday night game It was on NBC because I remember it was crystal clear and you could see every word. Of oh, yeah. word. he got
0: a problem. And, yeah. and I was surprised. I thought that the
1: league shouldn't do that. The well, that's what CBS I'm saying. CBS shouldn't have done that. The,
0: the teams should have an agreement with the with the cameras. You can't go tight on the coach when his play sheet is that evident. But also they don't but do a I, good job. But, of but also
3: it. defensively, I, please yeah. get a, <laughs>
0: zoom up in on because it. If you're if you're a coach in the box, or if, you, you can know, see it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you can see it. You got the TV. You can look right at it.
1: What are he calling? Oh, so, yeah, they
3: running this. We gonna run cover two, y'all. That was cover two this
1: play. <laughs> so play call is important, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the guys in the offensive or defensive staff coming together to find out whatever the team's weaknesses are. Yep. and how to exploit it. Right, that's
0: correct. Cool. That right. went 100 different directions I didn't think we were going to go. But that was
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot. All right, we got to read. What's up?
2: All right, man. So if you got that kind of money and you're going to Vegas this weekend and you're trying to go watch uh, Super Bowl 58, then I think you should download Game Time, man. You will be able to get you some tickets. They are easy to find and buy tickets. Every kind of event in your area, you can view from all seats and venues. Lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. They got all kind of protection going on. So download gang Time today. Last-minute tickets, low prices, guaranteed. Uh, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. So we started our ultimate parlay yesterday. We Mike, did. Talk, tell them about it. We
1: did. So how we doing it this week, guys? You guys weren't here. But we are putting together a up-to-five-part same-game parlay for the Super Bowl. So yesterday we had... Over under passing props. Okay. And the entire panel yesterday agreed that we wanted to lock in the first part of our ultimate same game parlay for the Super Bowl as Brock Purdy under 245 and a half passing yards. So that's the first part of what will end up being our ultimate same game parlay. We did passing props yesterday. Today we're going to rushing props. Okay. So if we all agree, and Earl's included here, if we all agree. We'll lock it in as the second part of our ultimate same-game parlay. If we can't come to a consensus, well, we just don't put that leg in. So the rushing props we're looking at today, over under 91.5 rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey, over under 67.5 rushing yards for Isaac Pacheco, or over under 16.5 rushing yards for Debo Samuel. Jason? We have to pick one of those? One of these. Do anyone in particular stand out in your mind as a surefire lock? i just get your thoughts ready i'm i got one in particular i think is uh money i know earl's got one in his mind too so
0: jason what do you think uh i don't have a lot of faith in isaac pacheco against that defense first
1: blush i take the pacheco under pacheco under so we're gonna be in disagreement here because i actually love the pacheco over. do you I'll I'll tell you why in a sec. I actually don't mind. We'll we'll talk it out in a sec.
3: I don't mind the overall Pacheco because they're not a good zone defensive team, which is wild to me. Uh, I was going to take the under on Debo Samuel. Under on Debo? I'm taking
2: the under on Debo, too. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is a dog. I mean, he a flat-out beast. He gets it done. He's been going up against good defenses all playoffs, and he's yet to let the Kansas City Chiefs down. I think Debo Samuel under 16-and-a-half will be mine.
1: So here's what I was thinking with the Pacheco over. And we'll talk it out. We'll come to a consensus or we'll decide this is not what we want to put in. But you watched the Detroit-San Francisco game, NFC Championship a few weeks ago. Both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery had success on the ground. Mm-hmm. Physical offensive line. I think, and I, I voted for under Mahomes passing yards yesterday for the record. So this kind of plays off what I'm thinking. I think the game plan for them is going to be chuck it deep. And then let Pacheco run up the middle power run game and utilize this bowling ball. He's a ram. I mean, chuck, no You mm-hmm. think the Chiefs gonna chuck it? deep? I do think they're gonna try see it. this is loosen the, up the defense and then having Pacheco be the battering ram nah, to the champion. That's not
3: gonna new. No. Uh-huh. Uh, Disagree? Yeah, heck yeah. See, last time they first of all, you gotta remember this team these got they got history.
1: Yeah, twenty twenty. They played yeah. in the Super Bowl, yeah. you know, just four years ago. Yeah.
3: So the last TVG, the last time there, San Francisco had this game won because they coined this phrase that we're going to play everything high and make him check thing everything down. Well then Wasp happened. And then you know why? Tyreek you, Hill. you know why they had to do that? Because Tyreek Hill was there. They don't have that guy. MVS? They don't have that guy. <laughs> <Was> she Rice? <right? laughs> they Noah don't have Gray? that guy that's, fair. that's, that's fair. going to blow the top off. Yeah, so I fair. think what they'll think to themselves is that our defensive line is going to get home. Nick Bosa is probably going to get there. We got Javon Hargraves. Our defensive line is pretty good. They're going to win more times than not. So, we need to get there. So, in their mind, the Chiefs' mind, they're going to think they don't have enough time to run those deep routes because they don't have a lot of guys that run deep routes. So, they're to run the ball. So, they're either going to run the ball or they're going to throw quick passes. Yeah, Essentially, well, either and, way, we, now don't get me wrong, they're gonna throw some deep ball, they're gonna try to yes. get some protection and try to run some stuff, and it'd probably be Kelsey or Rasheed Rice, but it ain't, that's not gonna be the game plan, I don't think.
0: Jason, what were, the, you, what were you thinking? Well, the Debo one scares me because all you need is one, one run, that, that's what scares one. me about that, too. Yeah, he just needs to pop one end around or something, and that's off the table. So, I, I that one makes me nervous. You could probably convince me to go the over on Pacheco, I just at first glance. I didn't do my homework. I didn't study this. I just, I think the 49ers are so good defensively and Mahomes is going to control that game. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him. That's, that was my initial reaction. What
1: if they're up and in the fourth quarter they to run, run? I don't, it, I don't think
0: it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be a one score game pretty much throughout. I think it's going to be a great game. I, 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 I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going to be, this is not going to be a, Two-score, run-the-clock, fourth-quarter game. I agree. It's going to be one of them games. This game right here is going to
3: make or break Kyle Shanahan. He loses this one. He already went up big and lost him twice, and he's going to lose the third. It it just ain't going to happen for him.
1: What's funny is none of us – He's
3: going all out for this one. It's definitely going to be a
1: close game. None of us mentioned McCaffrey. What was your take – I thought it was a perfect number. I don't feel I don't, feel, think, I don't I, feel good either way about McCaffrey in that. I
3: don't I don't think he's gonna get a hundred. I think he get a hundred total yards. His, but I well think that's the thing. His rushing. ability to
1: catch passes
0: out of the backfield makes him such
3: That's why I don't think it's gonna be 90,
0: 91 in rushing. I don't
3: think he's gonna get ninety one rushing. Yeah. But he also all it takes is him to break one. One. Yeah. That's what's dangerous about him. <laughs> and he me. does it all he does it often, so
1: Well, if we can't come to a consensus, then we just don't. We don't lock it in. The whole point is, if we all agree on one. I mean, if you guys,
0: you guys have studied this more than I have. If you guys all feel strongly about the Pacheco over, then I'll concede.
1: But I just, Earl, how do you feel about the Pacheco over?
2: I like it. I I mean, I just said it earlier. Like, like Pacheco is a dog. Like he. Let me, hold on, let me look at. What he, what he do. He laying? been balling all playoffs. I got
3: to let me see. When you say balling? Let me see what you are talking about. Give me two. Like
2: I I think <laughs> honestly he's had combined over like 72 73 yards in every game in the playoffs. So, that ain't balling. He literally had
3: 20 24 carries for 68 yards against the Ravens last week.
2: How many receptions? This is is Russian. Russian. I ain't got nothing to do with this. He
3: had fifteen for ninety seven against the Bills.
1: The the Dolphins game was a snow, it was the crazy weather game. And in that game, he had eighty nine or so. He he been and ba- over. Baltimore's run defense is is very good. I, I don't love San Francisco's run defense. No,
3: San Francisco run defense has lost a little juice for some my reason. I don't know what it's about. The Packers they, ran the ball effectively. Yeah, that's the, what I am saying. They the lost, Niners, the, they I mean lost the, the
1: juice. the Detroit Lions
3: ran the ball effectively. Aaron Jones had one oh eight against them. Uh, Gibbs McG- Montgomery had ninety three. Gibbs had forty five.
1: So. I like the Pacheco over, but I am one of four here. I, we need a four of four vote. Oh, I mean, it, I, if you like the, I, well, I, like I the wouldn't D- mind it. You you like the Debo under though? What was the thought? The Debo under? He coming
3: off of an injury; they ain't gonna make him. Put, they ain't gonna put him in that position. Earl, so you like the Debo under? That's the only reason he asked me why like the, I like. Yeah,
1: it. Earl liked the Debo <laughs> under too. What was? Yeah, I like the under. Same, same reason, coming off injury, just don't think of the opportunities? No,
2: I just – I think Kansas City's defense is that good. I think Christian McCaffrey is is the lead horse, of course, but I just don't think Kansas City's defense is going to be letting Debo run side side to side like that.
3: Debo Samuel that. had three carries last game for seven yards against the Detroit.
1: I hate how these are all good numbers. Okay, am throw a – like McCaffrey over 21 yards. <laughs> What a what a hammer that Vegas. what a hammer that man,
3: the Debo under because that man get hurt so much he he might touch it one time and bow out so
1: uh, the Debo one scares the crap out of me because as Jason said it only take one for one sure play, yeah <laughs> all
3: right well we can't come up to it I don't degree. think we have consensus <laughs> <here>. so
1: <laughs> I think I think we'll pass on this one make it a four part same game parlay is that fair.
2: No, we gotta come up with something.
1: <laughs> Pacheco over is my bet. Then that's that, that's my favorite. I, I'm fine with fire.
2: that. I'll go. I'll go Pacheco over. I'm cool with that too. The
0: the gentleman from Avon Lake will concede to everyone <laughs> else. Then, uh, and if it's under, he go text and chat. Where's
3: well,
1: y'all going to Jay's <laughs> We got we got to we go. Out. Like I told y'all, to he wasn't gonna get it. <laughs> all right, that's part two of the ultimate same game parlay. Part one: Brock Purdy under 245 and a half passing yards. Part two: Isaac Pacheco over 67 and a half rushing yards. We'll continue to make this same game parlay all the way throughout the week up until Friday when we officially lock it in. We don't know the odds yet because they kind of change every day, and until you lock all five in, you can't get a good read on that. But I'm sure it'll be close to a ten to one payout, if not more, when it's all. Why do you
0: all gone? got to uh, put your money where your mouth is and bet that ticket?
1: Oh, we are. I, I, I will. Yes, right. I, I am too. Will. So I can't. Yeah, legally no, you can't. I can't either.
0: <laughs> you can't either? I'm not supposed to bet on any sports that I cover. Same. New York Times Policy. Same. <laughs> I got that. That leaves me to hockey and European soccer. Well, I can't do I it. I know you're a big
3: tennis person. I'm, and in, tennis those, those I'm an NFL tips. employee we yeah, cannot yeah. bet on NFL games. It is crazy it's
1: in Vegas now and like none of the people are allowed to step in a sports book. Like I understand I understand for a million different reasons why, but it's just crazy they're in Vegas and you can't go to Some of the best parts of Vegas. Mm. There's a lot of other things to do in Vegas, don't get me wrong.
3: But the sad thing, I've never been to Vegas because everything that happens in Vegas, I don't do.
1: Have fun.
0: Hoover
3: Dam.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's next?
2: Y'all are hilarious, man.
0: The drive to Hoover Dam is actually phenomenal from Vegas. I've made it. It's phenomenal. Oh my goodness! Where's the Hoover Dam? South. I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm going I'm going go all the way to Vegas just to drive to the Hoover Dam. See, it's <laughs> like, line. it's like you see the Eiffel Tower. That's like to 20 press. minutes. It's like 20 minutes south. I'm yeah. sorry, bro. One more thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
2: No, I honestly think Vegas is overrated, but that—that's just you me. you been. Yeah, I'd have been in Vegas a couple times. I stayed on the strip, didn't like it. I just think Vegas is overrated.
0: Vegas is good for like 48 hours, 48 to 72, anything more than that. When you go for NBA Summer League, it's horrible.
1: It's crazy. It's awful. All my friends that work in the league that go to Summer League hate it. They're like, by the end of it, get me home. Get me. I want my own bed. I want to sleep. I want to pay for a meal. That's not $48. I can't. I don't know. Uh, Is it it true that what
0: happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Uh, If you're smart about it, but I would never do anything wrong. (laughs) <laughs> well, I gotta be wrong. Could be, I could have hit the casino and that'll stay in Vegas. <laughs> your money will definitely stay. Yes, your money will stay in Vegas. That's All right, what's
2: right. up? All right, man. So it's Black History Month. And anytime that I'm in this chair this month, I am going to take it upon myself to highlight somebody, you know, that had a, a cultural impact, social impact, et cetera. And so today we are going to do Ernie Davis. In 1961 he Ooh. became the first black person ever to win the heisman trophy Dang. and i'm just going to read this real quick it took 26 years for an african-american to lay claim to the heisman trophy and it was ernie davis who did so following in the footsteps of the great jim brown mm-hmm. ernie davis was twice selected as a consensus all america all american i'm sorry running for a total of 2386 yards and 20 touchdowns davis was selected first in the 1962 NFL draft and fourth overall in the 1962 AFL draft, but was diagnosed with leukemia before playing and died a year later. So today for black history month, UCSS will spotlight Ernie Davis before you all go off real quick. We work in my opinion and the most diverse Cleveland sports media entity Hundred percent. and like kudos to us, right? Like, this, that's what makes it fun to come to work. It's because not just with UCSS, but in this building here at Channel 3, it's a lot of diversity here, and that's what we need more of, more inclusion. Great. Divis, what do you like, know, Ernie Banks?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, I watched The Express, and I I loved Ernie Davis. I love watching the movie and all of those things. Obviously, I wasn't alive for it. Um, I do feel like I, I was, I'm sad that he had leukemia because him and Jim Brown in the same backfield, Woo, wee yeah. yeah. I mean, Jim Brown was already tearing the league up at that point. Just imagine Ernie Davis there as well. So I felt we got robbed in that. But, you know, he had a really good career, especially at Syracuse. And having to overcome some of the things he had to overcome, you know, first of all, you get to Syracuse, Jim Brown was the man. Yeah. And you come in, and they, right off the rip, give you Jim Brown's old number. Yep. So that's, like, a lot to f- live up to. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, pretty big shoes to fill. And he did it and even got the Heisman, something that Jim – even though Jim Brown probably should have won it, he ended up getting it and breaking that barrier down for doing that. So, you know, oh. that was great. He also dealt with a lot of stuff back at that time, just being a black dude. You know, you know y'all know how it is. And – he kept his mouth closed, didn't really stir up anything, had a good career, broke bar- barriers down, made it possible for young African-Americans to have somebody to look up to him and be like, look, well, I can win the Heisman. You know, I, Even though I'm black, I can win the Heisman. He was able to, to make young kids feel they have the right to do those things, so he's, an, he's, a, he's a pioneer in this thing for me,
0: and I just sure wish he had a chance to play for Cleveland. I was reading about him <clears throat> this morning, and there was a banquet. I can't remember now. It might have been a Heisman banquet. There was a banquet dinner for the entire team that was invited to, and
3: he had to sleep in the basement.
0: Well, they had. They basically told him, well, you can eat, but you got to leave before dessert." Mm-hmm. All all the black players have to leave before. Guys, that wasn't that long ago in our country. Yeah, It really wasn't. When you think about it, like I was during our, you know, it was during our parents' lifetime, mm-hmm. and to. We got a long ways to go, but it's 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 unbelievable the history that we come from, and the way that we treated people, not that long ago. Yeah, and that that just the older I get, the more I I think I appreciate things like this and the conversations like this. Of I can't I can't imagine somebody telling G and you and Earl, hurry up and eat that steak because you gotta go.
3: I don't think, well, first of all, knowing G, Tyvis, and Earl, it wouldn't be just that type of conversation. (laughs) I'm just doing that right now. (laughs) It wouldn't just be said like that and think that that's just got to be the end of it. I would just tell
0: you, knowing them and knowing myself, yeah, okay. And thank God that it's like that, that you can say that now. Oh, yeah. But to be in 1964 and it, yeah. um, it's
3: unbelievable. I mean, I watched, like I said, I watched the movie, and like I said, I don't. It's, obviously it's a movie, but it was something that they were at. They stayed at a hotel, and they made all the black I think it was him and, like, two other black dudes had to sleep in, like, the basement of the hotel and stuff like that. Yeah. Then they was playing a game in the South, and his coach kept taking them out on the goal line. He would run the ball down to the goal line, and if he didn't score, they'd take him out and put the, the white kid in so he could score. And he was like... Why are you doing that? <laughs> and he was like, that don't fly down here in the South. And he, like, took it upon himself to not come out
1: the game and run it in itself. Yeah. And it was fine. Like, I first want to shout out Earl, by the way, for doing this. And it, I think it's the second time we've done it now on UCSS, but he's been doing it all, all month yeah. on his Twitter account. So if you're not following Earl, make sure you do it because he's really enlightened or, or brought a light to some influential and – extremely important figures in our lifetime and one thing with Ernie Davis sort of two things that kind of stood out to me one talk about a recruiting director of Syracuse back in the 1960s how about Syracuse Yeah. first the... off, I all Syracuse being competent at football first yeah. and foremost second off how about that recruiting director hitting on back-to-back dudes and I was curious like what what did a Heisman season look like in 1961 that's a good question do you have, I have the stats right here do you, we look at the season, 2,000 yards rushing, a Some million times. They get that in what year. What do you think a, a Heisman season for Ernie Davis in 1961 looked like? I mean, like? they didn't even play that many games. He played 10 games. I would guess, in that
3: season, how many yards did he have?
1: Yes.
0: I would guess 1,000, but probably not much more than that. I would
3: say 1,100
0: yards,
1: 10 touchdowns. He rushed for 823 yards, caught 100 and uh, – res- Caught 157 receiving yards, had 980 total yards and 14 touchdowns. Not even 1,000. He had 1,000 the year before, 1,018 sophomore season, but four fewer touchdowns. It's crazy. And it was, it's crazy because they just ran the
3: ball back
0: that's then. What, it's just, they just ran into each other.
3: That's yeah, all yeah, it, just, it,
0: it was just 22 guys hitting each other, fall forward three yards, get up and do it again.
1: <laughs> it feels crazy, but, like, he was the first African-American Heisman winner. Yeah. And in, in a season where the numbers by themselves, with and I have no kind, I didn't watch football, I was – not even a twinkle in my dad's unborn eyes yet. That my dad wasn't even born in 1961. but like, Really? Your dad wasn't born in 61? 62. So, right. Wow. Man, I'm old. You're not. You are. My parents were... My
0: mom was born in 56. My dad was born in... That's a whole other story. I, mm-hmm. I
1: learned his family history at Christmas. And that's... That's... You can tell that story in your own time, Jay. That, that's not something you probably want to share here. I, I was very confused. i just leave like that. But... Earl, once again, kudos to you for highlighting this stuff. And we all as a community should should do more to make sure these stories, these voices and everything around what makes Black History Month what it is heard.
2: Yeah, for sure, man, like like the history is important. And just to hear like, you know, a lot of what Jason said, like, you know, there's a lot of people like Jason Lloyd out here. And I think sometimes people of color give too much attention to the toxic people who don't want to see this, this country continue to move forward. Like, we all need each other, you know what I'm saying? Like, the number one obligation here on Earth is to spread love, no matter what your race is, what your gender is, what your creed, what your religious backgrounds is, et cetera. Like, it's just that simple, yet somehow, some way, we fail at that more often than not. So, you know, I know I can be better. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of people that will take accountability and say that they can be better in that department, but if we just learn to spread more love, we'll be all right as a country.
1: We got any super chats, Earl, to wrap the show up with?
2: Yeah, we got two of them. Perfect. Uh, Helene Youssef says Jay's overreaction to the Dorsey's press conference is silly. The fact that the O was better with Flacco shows that AVP didn't know how to use Watson's skill set. Stefanski needs more tools in the arsenal. What? I think at the
1: basis of that, yeah, they need more weapons. I'm not sure the other part, but AVP didn't know
0: how to use
1: Watson in the offense. That's what you took from. No, I'm just talking about the last part. I think we could all agree they could use a couple more weapons. I was just choosing to ignore the first part. <laughs> yeah, the first part, that, that, that don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. <laughs> Say it, Tyvus.
3: Everybody love AVP. Like he, I don't understand why you would think he didn't
0: know how to use Watson's skill set. Because you know what it is? When a guy's here, he's the best and he's the smartest and no one can do it better. And as soon as he leaves, he's trash and didn't need him anyway. But that's the typical mindset. He literally, he was the quarterback's coach.
3: Did you ever yeah. work with
1: AVP? In any of your crossings, I know offense, defense. But you were on the same team no, that A. V. No, at.
3: I don't think. Yeah, no, heck no. Because I remember that. I work with Mike McDaniel. I work with uh, the dude. Did you know the dude who's the Carolina head coach? You know, he was the wide receivers coach in Seattle Canales? when I was there. I did not yeah. realize. I was looking at him when he was on the sideline with Baker. I'm like, dang, that dude looks so familiar. <laughs> <to me."> Wait, <laughs> do you guys know about the
1: book he wrote? He wrote guys... a book. Okay, Earl please google this to back it up he wrote a co-authored a book with his wife admitting to being a terrible husband an alcoholic and cheating on her and how they found a yep. happy marriage again through faith
3: oh yeah he he used to so when on saturdays you know because you, you can't do go to church on sunday so they bring the chapel in on saturday nights called it saturday night get your heart right and <laughs> Russell Wilson always ran the thing, and he would always be in there, and he would just all, Seattle was like the best, like, religious side, where they everybody was just religious in there, and it was a good experience, but he was always in there. He'd be crying, emotional about the stuff. He would always open up and talk about how he was a terrible husband and stuff like that. That's real genuine dude, man, real good dude.
1: I just think co-authoring a book with your wife about that is I mean an uh, unusual punishment. It, it, I'm not saying anything he did is right. Like that's, yeah. you should never do that by any means. But yeah, he but. He,
3: he he was a good dude. I, that's why I, when I looked, up, I'm like, man, he looked like the dude from Seattle. And then he got the job. When I did some research, I'm like, yeah, it is. And I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to Sherm. I'm like, Sherm, ain't that the receivers coach? He like, yeah. It's like, man, life comes fast, man. So many people I've worked with as far as whether they was quality control, scouting, just position what was Mike
1: McDaniel when you were see he? he was OZ. In,
3: In San Francisco, okay, okay. I just—all these guys have gotten head coaching
1: jobs. It's crazy, and they're all like, "I used to coach Travis Powell." I'm sure they're saying the exact. I mean, same
3: listen, way. when you look at their resume, it's the first thing. Like, you know, usually they put their name and where they went to school. I coach, coach Travis
2: Powell. Uh, <laughs> right, what's the second super chat? I don't know if y'all know he the man. I don't go nowhere without somebody saying, "Hey, I know Tyus." <laughs> no, no,
3: no, no, That's you McN- know Tyvus? That's McNuggets on this show. And Not true. McNuggets is the the most popular one out of everybody.
2: Not true. No, that that might be fact. Uh, the last one comes from Donnie M. He says, "Do the Cavs give you vibes like the A- Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars Pistons led teams?" The Bad Boys.
3: I was about to say, is that who he talking about?
2: I believe so. Uh,
0: let's let's slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you can't find you can. the brakes, pump the brakes.
1: I, I mean, I, I've seen the bad boys thirty for thirty. You know, full disclosure. When was the bad boys? Late '80s, early '90s, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't alive, so I can't. I, I, I mean, they
0: they beat the hell out of people. It's a different about, game. I don't. There think ain't nothing about this team could, that beats the hell out. Could of any?
1: But could even any team in today's day and age resemble the bad boy Pistons? No, just based be, on the they'd rules be of the league? Broken, suspended. They'd be yeah. fined
0: and suspended every night. Five Draymons. Yeah, I mean, worse than Draymond. You but I mean, Draymond.
1: like that's the equivalent of. You yeah. think Draymond. Draymond is dirty? Nobody's. Well, yes, I do think he's dirty, but. Yeah, he, he just he punched a guy again the other day. <laughs>
0: Did he really? After the suspension, yeah. he makes non basketball moves far too often. Yes. I remember in 2016 when he kicked Steven Adams oh, yeah. in the in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, you know
3: the, the wildest thing I seen it wasn't Draymond. It was Ron Artest when he elbowed James Harden oh, and knocked he him about out. Killed him.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, he about <laughs> killed him. That was scary. <laughs> but I asked. I, I think I asked LeBron in that. Because the, the, we were in Toronto during that time, their conference finals. I'm like, you guys wear a cup? He goes, no, there ain't no need. Like, that is not a normal basketball, like that reaction that he had throwing his leg out, like that's not a normal basketball.
3: Who
1: did he stump on the chest of? Sabonis. Who, by the way, Sabonis, he is such a unique game. Like watching him last night. Tripped up. He had almost tripled up in the first quarter. Yeah.
3: He had he it. It really he had those two points away at halftime. He got it. He's He's
1: a hell of a player. Big one for the Caps. Ultimate Cavs Show tonight, five o'clock, live. Myself, Jason Mitchell for MVP, most surprising player on the Cavs this season, and another little trade deadline preview. Earl, wrap us up here.
2: What you want me to say? Peace. <laughs> you guys say peace.
1: That's the producer's job.
2: Hey man, I'm sorry, man. I've been the only one back here, and I'm. Trying I know. To, and I'm trying sick. Get a and lot of feel stuff better. We miss you.
1: See you in overtime. Peace.
2: Hey, Prime members.